0: audio podcast network
1: I don't know but I've been told I don't know but I've been told homophobia is getting old homophobia is getting old and if you don't think it's okay and if
0: you don't think it's okay you can get the fuck away you can get the fuck away woo! sound on volume up listen up people i love you what's up folks welcome to whining about her street the women's history podcast where emily eats pizza 10 seconds before recording and burps through her sentences and we also whine about women from history that you probably haven't heard of and for this month in particular we are whining about lgbtq plus women I'm Emily. I'm Kelly, and thank you for joining us today for this very serious historical discussion on the erasure of the LGBTQ plus population. Actually, it's not going to be. Um, it's not going to be so much a discussion as it is going to be us going. What
1: God, the fucking fuck? damn it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's rage, rage, fucking rage. Yeah, always. Yeah, I mean all the rage. That, that's kind of our signature temp- temperature. Why so angry? So angry. All oh, the angry. We're very angry. But you know what, we have every right to be, because the fact that we haven't heard about these women in the past is bullshit, and that LGBTQ plus erasure is still happening, and that is also bullshit.
1: Bullshit.
0: Bullshit of the highest order. All right. Well, shit, Kelly, what are we drinking today? I'm like, how do we do this again? What is the stuff of this podcast? What have we been doing for the last three years? I think we drink something, don't we? I don't know. I think we think about it. I think we, there's some kind of hydration involved coffee. No, I'm kidding. Um, Diet Coke. So, this is
1: actually a very special bottle of wine that I was given specifically for our podcast. It was made by my mother in law. Oh my God. You didn't tell me that. No, I didn't. Um, so, they, my two of my um, brother in laws got my mother in law a wine kit for Christmas. And this is the result of that. I'm a little anxious. I know, I know. Everyone's like, you can't say anything bad to the podcast. I'm like, I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but so I don't have any like sexy label for you. Yeah, it's uh, we'll have to come up with one.
0: It's like a frosted looking bottle Mm -hmm. that says Moscato Moscato 2022. 2022. Did she make that label with her cricket? Okay, in pink shiny letters. Yep. It's funny because I was like, this bottle looks very like classy and simplistic. It's like, yeah, I'm a wine bottle, but it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure like a normal wine bottle, it would have to at least have like
0: the Surgeon General's warning on the back. Women should not drink while pregnant. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers to your mother in law for making her own wine. Ladies doing it for themselves. Woo. Woo. I just, before I take a sip, I want to describe this. So it's a Moscato, but it's almost like a light cranberry juice flavor. It, it kind of, or not, sorry, excuse me, color. Like you haven't
1: even drank it yet, yeah, I, woman.
0: I, you know I just make this shit up as I go. I know. I don't actually drink the wine. I hate wine. I hate all forms of alcohol and debauchery. <laughs> it smells good. It smells very fruity. It's
1: very sweet. It's actually really good. It's very smooth. Good mouthfeel,
0: yeah. It's um, it's got kind of this like, and this is gonna sound weird, but this almost alcoholic aftertaste. I'm like, oh, that's alcoholic, you know. I like, tried another
1: so- homemade wine last night. Our, my our friend made um, pomegranate wine. <gasps> He's gonna give us some to to have for our podcast. That sounds delicious. Um, I can't have a lot because it's carbonated. Because oh. he hates me um dick i know
0: hey here's this wine for your podcast that you can't drink cheers
1: but i tried some last night and it was real good and it basically tasted like juice and i'm like (laughs) like that's dangerous this is
0: unsafe for uh responsible consumption
1: but yeah they they told me what the proof was on this and it's fairly high actually
0: on this wine oh crap I have to be dipping into the Diet Coke a little more frequently because it is like noon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're recording early.
0: Day drinking. Yeah, that's because our schedules got a little fuckered this week. So we're having to do a Saturday during the day.
1: Someone's going on vacation.
0: Yeah, I'm going to Michigan next week and it's going to be awesome. So we got to get two episodes in, which you know what? That just means uh, the episode after this is going to be super fucking weird because we're either going to be tipsy or just be like, I'm not going out anymore. Right. I'm tired. <laughs> I want to go shower. <laughs> I got
1: home at like 2.40 in the morning. Let's... Yeah. I got in real early slash real late, depending
0: on how you're going. I don't think I got to bed last night until like 3 a.m. I don't know what time so I fell asleep. So we're both kind of riding the like, I'm overtired. It's fine. Let's drink wine. Responsible adults. And coffee. It's what, what water. we do. I got like
1: three drinks over here. Yeah,
0: I have my wine and my diet coke and a piece of pizza. It's yeah. all about balance.
1: The breakfast champions. So you can eat your pizza. Okay,
0: good. Um, and I burp I'm, through I, your story. As, even
1: though Emily was just like, "Oh, we're doing Pride Month," I'm uh taking a little bit of departure from that. God damn you! Because Saturday is Juneteenth, and I'm going to cover the grandmother of Juneteenth.
0: Okay. Can I say, I'm really glad you're doing this because again, at like 3am this morning, I was like, shit, because I covered two black women, women for like the first two weeks of pride. But then these, the, the next two I'm covering are white. I'm like, I, I did not plan that out. Well, I did a terrible job. And I've also you wanted to celebrate it. Yeah. Um, you know what, though? But we're not about ticking boxes. We're, no. we're just covering all these amazing women. Uh, I'm really glad you're covering her, though. The grandmother of Juneteenth, because I, I read a she, thing yeah, on her and I was like, on, like, oh, my, my God, she sounds like, amazing. And yeah. yeah. So her name's Opal Lee. OK. And
1: she's still alive. Damn right, Opal. Yeah, we're going to start with that. She's uh, still alive.
0: Living legend.
1: Um, <laughs> scroll back up, please. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I do not want to start at the bottom of my notes. I think you're already did. She's still alive. She's still alive. That's how it ends. She's still alive. That's true. So, Opal Lee was born October 7th, 1926. So, she is 95 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. Opal, Texas, honey. From Texas. Marshall, Texas. Um, and as a little girl, Opal was the victim of a very traumatic event. Um, and it was definitely her a very undeniable experience with racism. One week after moving with her family, nine-year-old Opal, they moved to an all-white neighborhood. Mm. Uh, Mobs surrounded their home and threatened their lives. Um, my dad came up with a gun, and the police told him that if he busted a cap, they would let the mob have us. That's a direct quote from Opal. Oh, my
0: God. Hey, this mob is threatening to kill you, but how dare you defend yourself? Otherwise, right. we will let them kill you. Right. Jesus Christ. Um,
1: Opal's parents sent her to a friend several blocks away, quote, unquote, under the cover of darkness. That's what she told like reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, the mob burned burned our furniture, set the house on fire. It was terrible. It really was. Opal says, outside newspapers in Texas reported the crime, but local papers from the community where the violence actually took place ignored it. Fucking A. But the newspapers that did talk about it said that there were almost 500 people that gathered. Yeah, and then they they burned everything. And the date of this attack was Juneteenth.
0: (gasps) So she kind of, you know... The day has a had a little rough double meter. Yep. Oh my um, god! Can you imagine going through that kind of trauma, and then the people who are supposed to help you, the authorities, are just like, "Give us a reason, right? Give us a re- like." Oh my god! And how terrifying would that be? Like as a child, right? To experience that, you, I don't think you'd ever like feel safe. No.
1: Um. And as Opal like talked about it, she said. My parents never talked about it, not ever. They accepted what happened. They buckled down. They worked hard. They bought another home, but we never discussed it. I just know if we had the opportunity to stay a while in that neighborhood, they would have found out we were just like them. We wanted the same thing they wanted, a place to live, food, and jobs that would pay a good wage. And that's a trauma
0: response to, like, not
1: talking about it. Right. Oh, God. So she would go on to attend elementary school and graduate um, from the historic I Am Terrell High School in 1943, at the age of 16, um, she wouldn't go straight to college after graduation, which was a little disappointing to her mother. But she would get there eventually. She would just get married, have four children, and then get divorced beforehand.
0: You yeah, just get all that messiness out of the way, right? Just you know what. I'm going to do, it's, it's like when you have a bunch of chores on your list, I'm going to do the crappy ones first. And then, then it's like, oh, now I get you to do the fun thing. Right. <laughs> so in
1: 1953, she attended uh, Wiley College, which is now Wiley University, to earn her bachelor's of arts. Mm-hmm. So she went, she went back to, she went back to college and then she went, Um, she moved to Fort Worth. And started teaching at the Amanda McCoy Elementary School for 15 years. She was regarded as one of the best educators in her field. Oh, Yeah. Um. So she would do that during the day. And then during the night, she would work at Convair, which is now Lockheed Martin. I'm trying to remember what they do. Because that's a big... I know it's a big yeah. name. I should have looked it up beforehand.
0: Crap. Do they do some kind of like... Something like with machine, I don't even know. Oh, crap, <laughs> they're lawyers. No, they're machinists. We that's don't only, know, that's only
1: slightly different.
0: Hold on, everyone let, is let screaming at us. I know they're like, they do this. There's someone <laughs> we're gonna get an email from like jim at lockheedmartin.com, right? They're like, like, guys. Hey, not to mansplain you, but (laughs) you needed explanation.
1: Um, Lockheed Martin Corporation is an American aerospace, arms, defense, information, security, and technology corporation with worldwide interests. Hell yes.
0: I was closer. (laughs) I was like, something with machines. (laughs) I'm sure they have like a buttload of lawyers, though, too. Oh, they do if they work in arms. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: But the reason she was working both jobs was to support her children, Mm -hmm. you know. Unfortunately, even back then, teachers didn't make a great wage. She would go on to obtain her master's degree in counseling and guidance from North Texas State University and would go after that would serve as a home slash school counselor for Fort Worth Independent School District um, until her retirement in 1977. God. So for a long time. God bless anyone who works with children because they are tough. Right. When she did retire, Opal did not slow down. The time and opportunity given to her now that she wasn't working be- made her become more involved in her community than she already was. Um, Along, so she was one of the founding members of Citizens Concerned with Human Dignity, or the CCHD. Um, I think it's a Texas thing, mm-hmm. um, which was formed to assist economically disadvantaged in finding housing in Fort Worth, Texas. So it's kind of what you do, I but in Fort love Worth, that. Texas. Um, she volunteered at Habitat for Humanity, served as a member of the board for like her local Habitat for Humanity. She and she currently still serves as habit on Habitat's land acquisition board. That's awesome. So with another strong woman that we'll have to one day cover, uh, Lenora Rolla as her, it's as her inspiration. Opal also helped establish the Tarrant County Black Historical and Genealogical Society, which was dedicated to the preservation. Of the um, the history of the black populace within Fort Worth,
0: particularly. So I love that. I love that so much because it, it's very, it, it it's it's been common for a long time to like trace back your genealogy and you know right. collect your family history. It's only getting easier to do that. But when you're the descendant of a slave, kidnapped, from- kidnapped and enslaved people. And then your family, you know, your ancestors have been split up all over the place. It, you know, your family history and finding that story is a lot more complicated and right. traumatic. So I love that she's like, no, we, we have our history and we're right. going to fucking I think that's find great. it and tell it. Right. She also participated in a lot of other, like,
1: boards of things and, you know, a lot of historic and cultural things mm-hmm. going on in the city. And she also did AIDS outreach. Uh, Worked as a Good Samaritan and all that stuff. She also helped, and I'm sure still helps, organize Fort Worth's annual Juneteenth celebration. Mm. As an educator for more than 25 years, obviously, she helped organize. um, She's been helping organize the citywide Juneteenth festivals for a long time. And she says that they've had festivals that have had thousands in attendance. And one of the ones she remembers the most, this is her quote, quote, It was a pure festival. I mean, we even took exhibits from the historical society to the park. We had festivals that garnered thirty thousand people in a three day period, even though the papers only reported ten thousand people a day. On one occasion, uh, Opal talked about the the park host that was hosting the event closed at ten p.m. So like they had to shut all the lights off. Mm -hmm. But in instead of shutting down, um, Opal hired a flatbed truck, like got like a generator and stuff and hooked it up to the, the truck to keep the like things going yeah. until, until like dawn.
0: Oh my God. So even
1: though she had this like really traumatic event, like she still, she loves the holiday
0: and she does have good memories about it. Um, As well. Well, and uh, you might get into this, but the, the holiday originated when union soldiers finally got to Galveston, Texas. Yep.
1: Took them two and a half years.
0: Yep. And we're like, hey, by the way,
1: yeah, it was, slavery is
0: fucked. We're not doing this anymore. It was, the,
1: the, what was it? it's it's considered the yeah the day all the slaves found out they were free, basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was it was um the the enslaved people in Galveston were the last ones to find out. Yeah. Can, can you imagine? It's like it's been two years, and I could have just like done whatever I want, like right. But yeah, that's that's what happens when you don't have Twitter. Right. So um, Opal also
1: helped uh, and campaigned for um, Barack Obama. And then during the 1980s, she started a tradition and I love this tradition. I think other people should do it of bringing like city leaders of Fort Worth on an annual bus tour through the economically depressed areas in the city. So they could kind of like see like, hey, these are the people that need your help.
0: Oh, I love that. So I,
1: I think that's really, really cool. And she would also point out, like, landmarks of the minority communities. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, she'd be like, oh, this is a really big, like, gathering spot for them. Like, it would be cool if we could fix it up, you know. Like, yeah. So that, I think that's really cool.
0: Well, and then you think about how we, we honor all of these historically white landmarks with statues and we make them we you know preserve historic buildings and she's like hey this is also an important landmark right get exactly. off your asses I, I i just want to finish my thought really quick earlier when i kind of started oh, yeah, get into the story of juneteenth well she you know she's in fort worth texas which is like four hours away from galliston i looked it up and in texas juneteenth has been Like, like I feel like in our consciousness as white women from Minnesota, it's just in the last few years that we're learning about it. Now that's a federal holiday. Like people are really, you know, we're having parties and celebrations. It's
1: been a huge thing in Texas for a lot. A lot of people thought it was originally just a Texas holiday. Yeah. And it isn't. Yep. I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah. But yeah, not like these celebrations haven't been happening. There's actually a Juneteenth celebration in town tonight. And I was like, oh, that's so great. They're doing that. And it's like our third annual. And I'm like, why have I never heard about this before? Right. You know, like, bad,
1: like, bad marketing.
0: Well, honestly, I think it's just everyone's more aware of it now that it's a federal holiday.
1: Well, in three years ago, that would have been the year before COVID. Or that would have been COVID.
0: Oh, shit. You're right. I didn't know. I still don't know anything that's going on. Right. Um, last three years. <laughs> So she also opened
1: a nonprofit organization called Unity Unlimited, Um, and while it's been in operation since 1994, it was officially incorporated in 2000. Um, She's done a whole bunch of other... I'm talking about, like, the rest of her story, and then I'll talk about, like, what makes her the grandma of Juneteenth. Um, but she served as uh, a precinct chair for her district for over 30 years. She's a member of the Grandmother's Club. Oh, which my I think, God. I'm like, they have a grandmother's
0: club, and that's great. I bet they all get together, and they knit, like, protest flags. That's, like... Keep your legislation off my body yeah, right. in like cute glittery yarn and stuff. I would love that. <laughs> they uh, have sh- a bunch of cross stitch that's like, girls just want to have fundamental rights. <laughs> uh, I saw a
1: lady wear when I was at the zoo the other day with my family, someone was wearing a shirt that said that she said, girls just want to have fun in white and then fundamental yeah. rights yep. in like black. And I'm like, I need that
0: shirt. I have a coaster that says that nice. and it looks like it's a cross stitch. Oh, That's cool. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't mind a cross-stitch of it either. Anyways, she's an active member in her church, um, Baker Chapel AME, where she serves as a missionary, a school teacher, an assistant teacher, and a deaconess. So she's got it
0: all going on. You know, retirement for her is just such a fucking trip. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like she got more busy. She's like, well, now that I don't have to focus on like... Teaching and making money. I can do all the things. Including teaching. (laughs) Including teaching. But like for funsies. Yeah, right? (laughs) So
1: Opal has been campaigning for decades, actually, to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. She started small, promoting it um, by leading a 2.5 mile. Number ringing a lot because it took 2.5 years. Oh! She she would walk 2.5 miles, which is four kilometers for other people. Um, and so she would do that every year it, like representing the 2.5 years it took for the news to reach Texas.
0: Oh my God.
1: Um, but at the age of 89, she decided she was going to do something bigger. Mm-hmm. She decided that she was going to conduct a symbolic walk. She's 89 years old. She couldn't actually do the walk and I'll, I'll, get into it a little bit. Um, but she said, decided to conduct a symbolic walk from Fort Worth, Texas to Washington, D.C., She left in September of 2016 and arrived in Washington in January. Because they like stopped at a bunch of cities along the way. And she did do some of the walking. Um, This is what she said. She said, quote, I decided that maybe if a little old lady, 89 years old, in tennis shoes, walking from Fort Worth to Washington, somebody
0: would pay attention.
1: Like, she's like, I'm going to do this because this needs to be a thing.
0: Oh, my God. It, you know, it sucks though that th- this woman, she's 89 years old. She's been doing the damn thing her whole right. life. Juneteenth is also a trauma anniversary for right, her. Right, and she's still doing the damn thing. Along with Liberation Day. And as an 89 year old woman, she's rolling up into Washington, D.C., and she's like, hey, everyone. If you could just pay attention to me for five seconds and like a thing. do with do something about this, right. like, it's it's a slam dunk. Like, there's literally no reason to not right. do this.
1: And even on this walk, when she did walk, she would do a two and a half miles at a time. And like I said, that's a callback. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy that made it to Texas was named General Gordon Granger. Just if you want to be mad at anyone, because it took him two and a half years to get to Texas.
0: I mean, there is a war yeah. going on. I'm I'm not like giving him a pass, but also right, yeah. No cars, <laughs> no cars.
1: Um, so this great great grandmother, when she decided she was going to do this walk, um, mobilized a team. Like she wasn't gonna like she was gonna do it alone, but then other people are like, "We'll help you." Yeah. She, they launched an online petition. Um, and they pledged to walk for she she alone pledged to walk 1,400 miles from Texas to Washington D.C. and she was dead serious about putting on some sneakers and walking the 1,400 miles. Um, her quote is, quote, I really had planned to walk that 1,400 miles, but my team said no.
0: Oh, my God. Can, can you imagine me like this little old lady's like, I'm going for a walk. And they're like, no, you're going to, no. Opal, Opal, honey, I know that, you know, no one should tell you that you right. can't do you're something. You're very tenacious. But we're telling you maybe you shouldn't. Mm. It's not that you can't. It's just that, you know. It's going to be a huge bummer if if you you don't make it. If you die because you're an 89-year-old woman walking across the goddamn country.
1: Right. Undeterred, she still made the trip, and she did log almost 300 miles on foot.
0: Oh, my God. um,
1: For the cause and continued to push her movement to appear across the country. And if you, like, look at the map, it wasn't, like, a straight shot because, like I said, she stopped in a lot of major cities along the way. So the whole goal of this walk was to... Gain national awareness, but mm-hmm. the end goal was she was hoping to plead the case for making Juneteenth a federal holiday directly to President Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. That's who's in office at the time. Um. So yeah, so she stopped in places like Fort Smith, Little Rock, Arkansas, Las Vegas, Madison, Milwaukee. So she like made it. A...
0: She or went no. backwards at one
1: point. No, Vegas is. Well, it's, it's this isn't in order. Like this is just no, other places no, she's but marched.
0: Still like if she's going from Fort Worth. No, I think
1: this is not on this walk. Oh, I'm okay. realizing as okay. I read my notes. Um but she did she did all of these other walks to promote her other like her the the walk she was going to do. It was it was like the pre-gaming. Exactly. And so and then like I said she launched a petition that received 1.6 million signatures. Mm. And to that, uh, Opal said, it's going to be a national holiday. I have no doubt about it. My point is, let's make it a holiday
0: in my lifetime. Can you imagine if they didn't? Right. I'm so glad you prefaced this with she's still alive because I would be having so much anxiety right now. We've seen that so many times. I know. It it almost like it's almost like someone dies. It's like, oh, in their honor, we should do it. No, you should have done it while they were alive. That's way more
1: honorable. So one of the reasons Opal was so keen on making Juneteenth a cherished holiday um, was this. Quote, when I was a little one, we lived in Marshall, Texas, and we'd go to the fairgrounds for Juneteenth, and there would be games and food and food and food and all the food. Um, she's that, like, no, it's I'm not, not here. a recording error. No, Kelly that's is actually repeating it. <laughs> um, that is actually in the quote, too. She, I love she's it. She's like, and I'm here to tell y'all it was like Christmas. And so, like, she has all these really good memories. Um, and you know, and she's, she's said like, people think it's a black thing when it's not, it's a, it's people think it's a Texas thing and it's not Juneteenth means freedom. And I mean, for everybody, that's what, that's Opal's quote for it.
0: It kind of reminds me of Barbara Jordan, who I covered a few weeks ago when she, in the beginning of her speech, she's like, when the founding fathers wrote, we the people, They left me out. Like I was not included in we, the people, but upon this event, we, the people got a lot bigger, you know? Yep. So the the royal we. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So the walk, as I said, that Opal did was 2016 to January, 2017. Um, It didn't get signed. So it is a national holiday now, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until June 17th, 2021 that President Biden finally passed a bill making Juneteenth a national holiday. When he signed that bill, Miss Opal Lee stood alongside him uh, during this historic occasion and received the pen, the first pen he used to sign off on this law. Oh, oh, Opal, honey. Um, And when asked uh, what she wants to be remembered for, she says, quote, I want them to know that the little old lady dreamed and they can dream too and that dreams can come to fruition. So, yeah, that's Opal Lee who... Walked 300 miles and drove 1,400 miles. And she will walk exactly. 10,000 miles. Um, I'm glad you got where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's known... And she as- will drive 1,400 more or 1,000, yeah. whatever. 1,400. Yep. Um But yeah, so that she's known as the grandma of Juneteenth because she walked to Washington and basically was like... Guys, what are you doing? Okay. Like, let's
0: make this a thing. So I had, apparently I've, I'm, my brain's really trying to block some things out because when you said the walk was from 2016 to 2017, I was like, then why did it take until Biden to, oh, oh yeah. I remember. Things move slowly. while well,
1: other things happen.
0: I, I remember it was in office at that time and that dude was not going to make Juneteenth a thing ever. So I was like, yeah, why did it take so long? Oh Yeah. Yeah, that, that whole thing that I'm trying to, like, yeah, scrub like from my four brain. four years,
1: you're just like, I don't want to remember that. Oh,
0: my God. You know what? I love that, though. And I love that. I love the sentiment that it, it's not a Texas thing. It's not a black thing. It is a momentous moment for our country where people, you know, were free, and recognizes people, you know, right, exactly. and like obviously, obviously, you know, it wasn't like Juneteenth happened and everything was fine. No, but not it's even it's worth celebrating, and it's a great it's a great thing to recognize in our country's history. Yeah, why wouldn't we want to do that? Yeah, I that's think it's something great to be too. proud of. I love that. Yeah, fucking Opal. I'll go mall walking with you any day. Right? <laughs> I, that's why I was have to, imagining. Now we
1: have to go back to Texas and walk with Opal.
0: I, that's what I'm imagining. Like, all the cities she stopped in, they're like, some oh, I don't know. It's, it's, like, really hot or really cold. And she's like, just drop me off at the mall. I'm going to do some laps. Yep. 2.5 miles. Oh, my God. I want to. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Kelly, what was. What is happening?
1: My mic has decided I'm not recording. it. Kelly's
0: mic literally completely tipped towards her and then like fell out of the mic stand. It was very dramatic, but I want to go mall walking with her at the Mall of America. That would be fun.
1: But yes, yeah, mall walking with Opal would be any walking with Opal would be yeah. amazing.
0: Oh my God. Well, and good, good for her. She, she didn't give up and she's like, no, let's do the damn thing. Right.
1: So who are you whining about?
0: Um, so today I am covering Edith D. Edie that's why I'm gonna her her last name is spelled Edith D. Edie. E-Y-D-E is how you say her last name and that's actually not the name I'm going to use throughout most of the story so I'm just I'm like Edith D. Edie I love it. I do too. But she is most commonly known as Lisa Ben.
1: Hmm.
0: So Lisa Ben was born Edith D. Edie Say that five times fast. In San Francisco. Oh, wait. Go ahead. <laughs> on November 7th, 1921. Committedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Astromonomical. Oh, God. There was a word last night that I could not say for the life of me, and I wish I could remember what it was. But I was like, oh, God, it's committedy all over again. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, I, I think I was trying to say Meteorological. But I was like meteorological, okay. which is very much like astronomical. I, I
1: used to have a really like when I was when I was younger, I used to have a really hard time saying lightning because when I would look at it spelled, for some reason, my brain always said lightning. It's spelled that way. Exactly. It's spelled like
0: lightning.
1: So I, that's how I pronounced like when I was younger, I was like lightning. And people are like, what? And I'm like, lightning.
0: Simenomenon. <laughs> You know what?
1: Aluminum. Aluminium.
0: If I can understand a three-year-old babbling incoherently and hear her be like oh your favorite movie is equestrian girls friendship is magic fuck yeah then you can deal with my verbal
1: yeah bullshit yes you're uh linguistic butchery my linguistic oh god you're
0: wearing the shirt i am kelly is wearing our linguistic butchery tank top get one
1: now that's great super comfy
0: so lisa ben was the only child of her insurance agent father oscar and her housewife mother olive hmm Oscar and Olive. Like, like that's it's fucking like cute. and Lena Oscar. I and know. Olive. So she grew up on an apricot farm, which just sounds like adorable. And Lisa was also an orc dork who studied violin for eight years. She's a total, like, throughout this whole story, we're going to find out she's a fucking nerd and it's amazing. So Lisa developed her first crush on a girl that we know of in high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure whether. The relationship with like if she had a romantic relationship with the other girl or whether they had a friendship and then the girl found out that Lisa had a crush on her and then the friendship ended. But either way, um, their relationship ended. Uh, you know, they, they were no longer friends or romantic or whatever it was. And understandably, because all feelings are big feelings in high school. Lisa was incredibly upset about this. Mm-hmm. And in a move that should really shock anyone who's ever raised teenagers, she turned to her mother for comfort. What teenage girl goes to their mom being like, my crush doesn't like me back. Or, you know, my right. broke you know, teenagers do not talk. High schoolers do not talk to their parents about that shit. Mm. My God. Um, But instead of realizing this for the, like, amazing miracle it was, her mother's reaction was less than supportive. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it was a negative reaction. And this experience taught Lisa one thing, that she could never talk about her personal or romantic life with her parents. Yeah. Which is just tragic that's devastating
1: talking about part of it but having to leave another part of it out
0: yeah she has to she has to edit out huge parts of herself but she just can't she can't be open with her parents that's heartbreaking she she like seriously parents take note lisa went from being a high schooler who actually confided in her parents to someone who learned that she could never trust them with huge parts of her life that is devastating And if you if you are a parent and wouldn't be devastated that your child couldn't share that kind of thing with you, then maybe you're not that great of a parent. Just saying I'm coming for the parents. Right. As a single woman, I can say as a single woman without children, I can say that. Excuse me. So Lisa went on to college for two years. However, her parents spent those two years pressuring her into taking secretarial courses because what else was she supposed to do as a woman to make money? And this only further harmed her relationship with her parents. It, there it, there seems to be this pattern where they're kind of forcing her to tamp down a part of herself and then forcing her to do other things based on their image of what she should be or should be doing. So Lisa spent the next three years uh, saving her money and moved to Los Angeles in 1945 against her parents' wishes. Being shitty parents will drive your children away. Shocker. Everyone learned from this. She, I think she did end up taking the secretarial courses, but the whole time she was like planning her escape. So Lisa was a nerd, a fucking nerd in all the best ways. She was a huge sci-fi fan. And before gamer handles were a thing, she went by the name tigrina oh in these sci-fi circles i'm like oh my god like at tigrina what's up honey um she even met and became friends with Forrest j ackerman who was a noble sci-fi writer like she knew a lot of these writers and i mean this is like that's huge the 40s that's awesome there's no forums there's no internet there's no like real there's no cons yeah
1: yeah this is there was, like, salons almost still, like, still, you know, yeah. where, like, the writers would get together and hang out.
0: Yeah, and this is even, this is way before Star Wars, where I feel sci-fi started to get more of a um, mainstream following. Like, Star Wars was huge for sci-fi. So, in Los Angeles, she joined the Los Angeles Science Fantasy Society, or LASFS, LASFS, and became the organization's secretary she did have the education. Mm. Just saying. So though Lisa had romantic feelings for women early in her life, she wouldn't identify as a lesbian until 1946. And that's probably because she had never heard of the word and had no representation right. for les- like lesbianism, like same-sex relationships I had, I had no women.
1: idea that people didn't know that word because people are assholes.
0: Yeah, and, and this is one of those things we've talked no, I'm about. I'm not saying she's an oh, asshole. No, 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 I'm saying no. the
1: fact that like people were just covering it up.
0: Kelly is outing herself as a total fucking bigot right now on the podcast. <laughs> no. But it's it's like because we've talked about before that labels are not like not everyone likes labels, but they can be very comforting and very validating. Like, oh, shit, that's what I like. That makes sense to me. I have a word for it. So in the apartment building where Lisa lives, she knows that there were several other women living there that weren't embroiled in boyfriend drama. And one day, one of these women asked Lisa if she was gay. <laughs> like, hey, Lisa, what's up? Are you gay? <laughs> that's great. And something just, like, clicked in her. And Lisa was like, oh, shit, I am. And that's what it is. You know, because she'd had these feelings. It wasn't like right. she was converted. But she's like, And then when she found out oh, about it. Exactly. Like, we've talked about it word before. It. Yeah, that women who were
1: Lesbians, yeah, yeah, they were like, I didn't really know what I was, but then when I talked to someone about it and they were like, Oh, you like women, here's that term for that, and they like it get explained this term, they're like, It's yeah, it's not a conversion, it's that's what I've been all
0: along, and I finally know what the label is. Exactly, exactly. So she became with the friends with these other lesbians in her building, Yay. and this is another uh pattern that we've seen some in a bunch of our stories. They served as her guides into the LGBTQ plus scene in Los Angeles. And we've talked about that before where, you know, someone meets another lesbian and gets kind of introduced like, here's where we hang out here. The safe spaces, you know, here here's your community too. you know, because that's so closed off. If you don't know, because there's there right. was the entry, the entry point was hidden, yeah, because people didn't feel safe, and there was no representation, so it must have been really comforting having friends who would serve as mentors because the LGBTQ plus scene in LA in the 40s and 50s wasn't exactly super laid back or free of violence. The police would frequently raid gay bars and harass people they either knew to be or suspected to be queer hmm. or yeah. cross dressers or trans or, you know, like if they were just like, mm, I'm going to fuck you up, which I right, like, I'm, j-
1: I'm just going to beat the shit out of you because I think you might be gay.
0: Yeah. Or I know you are and no one's going to stop me because right. I'm a cop. And this is why police in uniforms should not be at pride. Just saying, they were they were a huge part of the legalized oppression, and still can be. You know, yeah. like that's not over. So, next time you get butt hurt about that, just remember, the Stonewall Uprising was uh, a response to a police raid on a gay bar where the cops actually sexually assaulted the patrons because yeah, they were checking their genitalia. So let's just all remember that terrible, yeah. Fuck off. You wonder why it caused like massive riots. God. So fortunately, Lisa was able to avoid police raids uh, when she went out to these lesbian bars. But she was questioned by police a few times. So like she she wasn't free of the, you know, effects, but right. she kind of was able to stay. She was able.
1: To... She managed to not get caught up in the she raids. Stayed on the
0: low, low. So in 1947, Lisa began publishing Vice Versa, an LGBTQ plus magazine. And over the next year, she would publish nine issues of Vice Versa with the goal of reaching out to other lesbians the way her friends had been able to reach out to her. Because she's like, oh, my God, there's this whole community that I didn't even know about. And there's got to be more of us. Like, le- And this is because there's no Internet. There's no forums. This is how you reach out. She recalled, quote, I was by myself and I wanted to be able to meet others like me. I couldn't go down the street saying, I'm looking for lesbian friends, which needs to be a button. Yeah,
1: just like a little, instead of the sign, free hugs, like yes. looking for lesbian friends.
0: <laughs> it's it, it's a, like, hello, my name is looking for lesbian friends. Yes, yeah, I like it. Uh, so vice versa gave me a way of reaching out to other gay gals. I love her so much. Uh, a way of getting to know other gals when I had something to hand out and that and when I tried to talk to talk girls into writing for my magazine, I no longer had trouble going up to new people. So she's kind of like this, you know, shy little nerd. And now she's like really finding herself in her community. And she's like, oh, I'm going to use this magazine as an outlet for that in a way to build the community. Now, I know what you're wondering. Where does she get the time? Who's got the time to make her own magazine? Who's got the time to do a weekly podcast? Clearly we don't because we're, you know, a little hit or miss. (laughs) Well, Lisa was working as a secretary at RKO Studios, which was one of the top five film studios at the time, I guess. It probably means something to someone. Right. She's really getting a lot of use out of that secretarial education her parents made her get. Um... And her boss didn't actually have a lot of work for her to do, though. So I'm like, okay. Um, But she needed to look busy because that's more important than actually being busy and doing work. So she would just type out her magazines at work. And I'm like, respect the hustle, girl. Yeah. Yeah." Love it. She also used her experience with sci-fi fanzines to create and print vice versa because she was very into the sci-fi scene. So Lisa had a very grassroots approach to distributing vice versa. She would mail a few copies to friends and then go to the If Club, which was a lesbian bar, and hand out the rest by hand. She'd just go around and be like, well, you're in a lesbian bar, so here you go. And she also encouraged recipients to pass the copies along after reading instead of tossing them because she was only able to print so many copies and so she's like making sure they're getting it. It's like the early days of retweeting or sharing. She's like, share this, share this on your wall. Right. You know, share this with your friends. Put this on your bulletin Make board. this go viral. Huh, yeah. <laughs> but I love that. And it's like, hey, if you know someone who would get, you know, use out of this or would enjoy it, keep it going. Lisa had to be very careful, though, about the content she published and mailed. Um, According to the Comstock Act, and like Comstock laws, we've talked about them before. They're like a series of bullshit morality laws, and they were very oppressive to just about everyone. Um, But according to the Comstock Act, mailing loot or inappropriate material through the mail was illegal. Um, And this included things like birth control. You know, you used to be able to mail children, but you can't mail birth no, know, control. Like, that's you where we draw can mail live the line. animals
1: to each other or children. Yep. But little pills?
0: Yeah. No. Oh, condoms? I don't fucking think so. Right. Want it or not, you're having a baby and you're going to deal with it. Like, it's yeah, it's, it's so bullshit. bullshit. I think they finally got repealed in like 1957, which Still, is that's
1: bullshit. way
0: too fucking recent for my taste but she could have gotten in huge trouble because even though Lisa was very careful about not violating comstock laws she wasn't like publishing porn or like anything erotic uh she did stop mailing out issues because anything even alluding to homosexuality could get her in trouble because that was one of the things that was considered quote unquote lewd uh, even the fact that she was a lesbian mailing out materials could land her in hot water. Because even if she's writing yeah. like, here's a review of a movie. It's like gay propaganda, the gay agenda, sinister gay cabal, like hard. eye roll. Over are here. you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You know, j- just the source put her in trouble. The fact that she was a lesbian publishing anything and mailing it. So she, she did stop mailing stuff, but she kept handing it out in person. So Vice Versa was only published from June 1947 to February 1948 uh, when RKO, where she worked, was sold. It forced Lisa to find a different job in her new position, actually had work for her to do. <laughs> so she couldn't like work on her magazine in her downtime. We know what that's like, having other things like take up your time and doing your side hustle is difficult, but Lisa didn't stop and neither will we. No, Just no. Am. You're stuck. So despite being short-lived, Vice Versa is credited with being one of the first LGBTQ plus magazines published in Los Angeles. And Lisa was also able to achieve her original mission of the magazine to increase her circle of lesbian friends. So looking for lesbian friends, the other pin says lesbian friends found lesbian friends acquired
1: (laughs) no and then you have a third pin that says i will be your lesbian yes yes
0: oh my god can you imagine you just have a bunch of people running around with shirts like looking for lesbian friends and then other people's shirts that say lesbian friend avail you know and they all just like find each other and hug it it would be great i love that let's make this a thing um so yeah, this this allowed her to spend more time socializing and enjoying herself rather than writing and trying to build a community. Like she was, she would kind of built a community. She's like, okay, well, the magazine did its thing and I don't have the time to keep doing it. So I'm just going to enjoy like all my lesbian friends that I found. It's amazing. Right. Beyond this, vice versa had a broader impact. According to historian Roger Stripe Matter. Lisa helped in quote setting the agenda that has dominated lesbian and gay journalism for 50 years by introducing many of the characteristics that would define the myriad publications that would follow. So it was really like the prototype for LGBTQ plus journalism, which is amazing. And all she's trying to do is find lesbian friends And she's, like, giving birth to queer Mm -hmm. journalism, and I love it. So Lisa became a member of the Daughters of Belides, a lesbian, civil, and political rights organization. And we may have talked about them before, um, but I do have an explanation because if you're wondering who Belides is, you're not alone because I've heard of the Daughters of Belides, but I was like, where does it come from? What's the deal? So French poet Pierre-Louis, it. that's the only time i say his name he wrote a collection of lesbian poetry called the songs of belides in which the fictional belides is living on the isle of lesbos alongside sapphos the notable real lesbian poets right exactly so so belides is like her like fanfic girlfriend i guess Ooh. you could say cuz Sappho was real and a real poet. And that's where we even get the word lesbian because she lived on lesbos. And so, yeah, it's like erotic fan fiction, erotic lesbian fan fiction. So this is kind of a deeper reference to that. The general public wouldn't pick up on unless they were already in the know. Because, you know people weren't like on like it wasn't blaze wasn't like a household name or the poetry was not a household name and they also used the daughters of part of their name as a way of playing the organization off uh or playing off of other Mm -hmm. organizations such as like the daughters of the American Revolution and that kind of thing allowing them to shield themselves in a sense of patriotism so it You know how it's like um, organizations will be like families for yada, yada, yada? And now when I hear that, I'm always like, oh, it's, it's, it puts a bad taste in my mouth because so many hateful organizations have been like, families for traditional gender. It's like, shut the fuck up. Or families for family values. Or it's like, you know, Republicans for family, I don't know. But you know that whole like... It sounds wholesome, and that's not. But this is playing off of yeah, oh, the daughters of like that must be so wholesome, and that kind of that kind of connotation. Yeah. So I love that because it's not. It's kind of one of those if you know, you know. But if you're from the outside looking in, you're not going to get the reference or think too hard about it. So then you're you're protected in that way. So as a part of their work, the daughters of the Ladies published their own magazine called The Ladder, for which Lisa began writing. The latter was the first nationally distributed lesbian magazine. That's awesome. And while writing for the latter, Lisa adopted the name that she would become best known by, Lisa Ben, which, if you picked up on it, is an anagram for lesbian. Lisa Ben, get it? (laughs) The funny thing is this was not her first pseudonym that she'd come up with. Uh, She originally tried to use I'm a spinster, as her name but it was rejected they were like no you, you gotta pick something different <laughs> but i'm like i'm that. a spinster that's my new bar name, <laughs> what's,
1: your <laughs> name goodbye, Ima. I-
0: what's your last name spinster goodbye alice welcome i'm a spinster maybe next <laughs> may- dude maybe i might just be like lisa lisa ben lisa just say it very quickly lisa ben yeah Actually, that go away. I'm just gonna say right now, um, the whole idea of pretending to be a lesbian in a bar to get a guy work. to leave you alone, it a lot does of times not they work. they're actually creepier than. It actually, yeah. And, and, yeah, because creeps are pieces of shit who just need to be kicked in the face. Anyway, so when she wasn't writing for the latter, Lisa was writing and performing gay song parodies at a gay club called the Flamingo. And the, like, if I didn't already love her, this is where I seal the deal like she's she's a writer she's a nerd and she's like I'm gonna make a bunch of gay song parodies and I'm like I do the same thing except mine are about wine and women's history she'd take famous songs and turn them into gay anthems for example she took the song I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and turned it into I'm gonna sit right down and write my butch a letter And her goal with these songs which is, was to create queer entertainment that wasn't profane or demeaning to the community. Because at the time, it was really common for performers to make self de- self-deprecating jokes in clubs. You know, kind of that, like, punching down but on yourself a little bit. Uh, and Lisa wanted to create material that celebrated queer life instead. Like, okay, like there, there's a place for, you know, self-deprecation. I am constantly visiting the self-deprecation well on a momently basis, but she's like, maybe we should also have entertainment that's positive and celebratory. So Lisa even went on to record her own version of "Cruising Down the Boulevard and a lesbian version of Frankie and Johnny. I don't know, these are like 40s, 50s songs. I didn't look them up. The Dars of sold the recordings for a fundraiser and credited Lisa with being the, quote, first gay folk singer. Which I love. So Lisa received some recognition during her life. One Inc. An early gay rights organization honored Lisa as, quote, the father of the homophile movement. And in the quote, it had, like, the little sick in brackets next to father. And I'm like, did the gay rights organization do that on purpose as a joke? Or did they think she was a, I I don't know. But they're crying her as like an early activist in the LGBTQ community. And that was specifically for her creating Vice Versa. She was also featured in the 1984 documentary Before Stonewall, where she discussed the gay rights movement before the Stonewall wall uprising and her work. Because it Stonewall is often credited with being like the start of the modern gay rights movement. But... It's not like nothing was happening right. before Right, like then. there was plenty going on before yeah. then. In 1997, she was honored as a founder of the Los Angeles LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, the National Lesbian and Gay Journalists Association inducted her into their Hall of Fame. So Edith Lisa Ben Edie died on December 22nd, 2015 at 94 years old. She made it
1: 94 years old damn.
0: And despite receiving attention during her life, there were no obituaries published to mark her death. And she actually preferred going by Lisa Ben. She felt that it gave her more of a sense of anonymity. And I think that also helped her with her separation, like from her parents and, you know, like severing that connection so that that's why I refer to her by her pseudonym this whole time. But yeah, I, I'm like, did I mean no? She's she's getting this recognition during her life, and then she dies, and there's not even an obituary. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that's insane. New York Times, get on that shit. Like a she. One National Gay and Lesbian Archives has a collection of Lisa Benn's papers and photos preserved, which is awesome. You can also read her copies of Vice Versa, and I'll post that link in the episode description because I found them, at Mm. QueerMusicHeritage.com. It's an HTML site, so you know, give it it some grace. Uh, And Lisa was working to build and connect the LGBTQ plus community before the Stonewall uprising, which is credited with igniting the modern LGBTQ plus movement and community is so important because you can't always count on your family. You can't account. You can't count on authorities. You can't count on the system. All you can do is count on the other people who know what it's like to be there for you and support you. And that community was so important for Lisa in her realizing who she was and with her activism and her journalism. And she's like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't just like, she, like she got lucky that someone else kind of like their gaydar went off and they're like, are you a lesbian? Right. She's but like, oh, shit, like, oh, like, no, I, I am. Ever,
1: Everyone needs to know about this.
0: Exactly. And, and we see that a lot like in uh, with, you know, Pride Month and Pride Parades. And it's just a really wonderful time for the community to get together and celebrate how far they've come. The work that still needs to be done by all of us, but also just like. Meeting people who get it and not feeling alone. And through her activism and journalism, Lisa helped to start that community and that sense of not feeling so alone. And I love her for that. And that is the story of Lisa Ben. Thank you. (laughs) I just, I thought that was really sweet. Her story was a little shorter, but it was, it was good. I was happy with it. And also, I don't think we've had the opportunity. I feel like when we cover LGBTQ plus women, it's either they're way far back or they're around slash post Stonewall. So it was kind of cool to get a, a better look into you know the queer scene in the '40s and '50s. Right.
1: It. I agree. I, I like because we this. do
0: not think about no. A lot that. of the, a lot of the
1: people we cover are either from. Farther back mm-hmm. than that or from Stonewall and newer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So,
1: like, I feel like that's a time period we haven't super covered. It's, yeah. like, for this community. That's I really
0: awesome. like that. So, Kelly, my darling, my dear, what are you thankful for? <laughs> it's
1: been a week. I, yeah. Um, so, we lost our oldest dog, Atari, on Thursday, and that's been rough. But I'm really thankful for everyone at our vet's office. Like they've been treating Tari for as long as I've been in the picture. Actually, we switched to them shortly after I was in the picture, and they were just they were great. And we had to bring our other two in today just for like their yearly stuff, mm-hmm. and like they were great. They were, you know, the it was the same vet, even though they have like six of them. It just had like happened to be I had the, I had this appointment like booked, like, two weeks ago, because vets are, for some reason, like, two weeks out right now. Yeah. um, And so we ended up with the same vet, and yeah, she was, like, super sweet. She was like, how are you guys doing? Like, how are the dogs taking it? You know, she's like, I made sure all the stat like, the staff knew, so they weren't going to ask about, you know, Atari. And they're like, plus everyone here knows, you know, and so she's like, we're making sure to let everyone know. And I'm, like, you guys are great. Because, like, remember we went to that one, okay, we went okay. to... I've cried so much in the last two days. Anyways, um, but remember we went to that dog walk. We walked by the VCA Cascade. The, we yeah. walked by my vet's table, and they were like, "Oh my god, it's the pugs!" Yeah, like they know my dogs, and so yeah, it was it was just like really sweet of her to you know to be like you know we're we're letting everyone know, and everyone's really sorry, and I'm like, you guys are great. Like they were so nice, and like. I'm sure they're that way to everyone, but, you know, like, I've never experienced it before. And they even asked, they're like, you know, have either of you had to do this before? And me and Justin are both like, no. And so they're like, okay, like, let's walk you through the process before we do, you know. And they they were just very, very wonderful. And I'm very, very thankful.
0: Well, and that's something that, you know, as a vet's office, they deal with on a more frequent basis because... Such is okay. the nature of yeah. life. But the fact that they can approach it, cons- you know, again and again with the same level of compassion and care yeah, and, and like, just this is and- hard for you. And I- I'm going to give you the care and the the love and the attention that you right. need. And, well, and then the fact that's that really even wonderful. like
1: two days later when she was seeing like our other dogs, she still had that like care and compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't an act. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, I genuinely cared about your animal. And I, you know, I hope you guys and your other animals are doing OK.
0: I'm sure it's hard for them, too. Because like you oh, said, yeah. they've been they've been. Uh, they, yeah. That's for you. Yeah. And I mean, we're
1: one of those people that like of there's like five vets at the office we go to mm-hmm. and we don't generally consistently only see one of them. <laughs> we're, yeah. We're, we're kind of terrible people. But at the same
0: time, I'm like. The pugs need to spread their love and attention. Right. And I'm like,
1: <laughs> you know, if someone's available to see my dog and my dog needs to be seen, I'm not going to be like, no, I have to see this specific vet. Like every yeah. once in a while, like, because Dory, we've seen this vet several times recently because Navi had like an eye issue mm-hmm. and she was the one that saw her the first time. So when we brought her back the second time for the same eye issue, we were like, yeah, let's just keep the same doctor so we don't have to like re-explain everything. But yeah, I've always really liked um, where we take our dogs and yeah, they were just really, really sweet.
0: That's awesome. So I'm glad. Yeah.
1: So shitty thing. And I'm like really sad about it, but you know, good people always help you through things like that. So how about you? What are you thankful for?
0: Um, bring the mood back up. I was going to say what I'm thankful (laughs) for is, um, kind of, kind of less of a, less of a bummer uh so we had a groundbreaking event because uh the organization I work for is building some new affordable housing and I was tasked with organizing the groundbreaking event and I was like shit I haven't organized an event that wasn't like Kelly's bridal shower or bachelorette party and even that was a little stressful you know, but I was like, Kelly, Kelly's just loves, Kelly loves me. It's going to be fine. Like even if something goes wrong, something always goes wrong. It's fine. She's still going to love me. But this Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my God, if I fuck up, they're going to be like, this bitch is an idiot. And maybe we should fire, you know, it just felt like the stakes were higher. And I, I was very anxious about it. I was over preparing like crazy. And then I had, I had a bunch of trainings this week. So like, Four out of the five days, I had three-hour trainings, oh my and so gosh. like I'm trying, a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to like get all this stuff done. I designed the sign that's going to be up at the build site, and like sent that to the printer. And I was freaking out, like, what if that doesn't turn out well? And it went, it went great. Um, the local news showed up, and for the second time this year, I stuck my way onto <laughs> ABC Six local news. <laughs> I know, I because because there was just posted
1: a, it, so I watched the video. And yeah. yeah, it's just like her side profile. Yeah, like, I'm just like standing there. Yeah,
0: I'm like oh. Um, but yeah, it went well, and. Uh, I'm really excited to be a part of a project that's actually helping add more affordable housing into our city because an affordable housing crisis like it's it's everywhere it's fucking everywhere. but I think within the next I don't remember how many years, but we're gonna need six thousand more affordable homes in our commu- oh, in insane. like our community alone and my God we need to get on that shit and actually when the the news station published, the the article in the video, they got some comments of like the laughing reactions and people being like, just being kind of shitty. And at first I was like, I, I, I kind of took offense, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm being a part of the solution. I'm helping to make this better. Right. So you can laugh and be shitty all you want. I'm doing something about it. Yeah. I think
1: it's so And that great. feels really good. Yeah. Like so. I was really happy when you got that job because I was like, that. that's going to be really good for you. Mm-hmm. you
0: get to help Especially people. because that means Kelly and I get to take lunchtime walks. I know.
1: I'm <laughs> going to be real sad when I don't work there anymore.
0: I'm going to be devastated. I mean, that's, devastated. Not, that's not until, like, May of next year, so. Thank God. Thank God. We have time. It's all right. But yeah, I, I'm thankful that the event went well, and yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying my new job, and I don't know, feeling like I'm actually doing something positive for the community. So, yay. (laughs) Yay. Yay! Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whiny About Herstory. Like us on Facebook at Whiny About Herstory. Instagram at pad,
1: Twitter at w a h underscore pod. Our website is com, where you can find a way to contact us. You can find some super sweet merch. And Linguistic butchery! As I say, including you could get a matching uh, tank top. I got the yep. racer racer black, back flowy tank top in blue. It's hot. Linguistic butchery. It's sexy. I love it. It's super comfy. Um, we also, I don't know what else I was going to say. Oh. Rate us five stars. Yep. Rate us five stars. Wherever
0: you listen, including Spotify.
1: Yeah. Find us on Patreon. You can donate for as little as
0: $1. $1! We will be having a bonus episode posted this week, too.
1: Yes, and then after that, I'll have our Texas slide show up. I had to find some photos, and I have to do a voiceover, but I'll get that done. Um, and then there's also, um... Some merch that is for funerary cult members only.
0: Yeah. Get in on that. It's hot. You're hot. You're hot. That's sexy freaking merch. <sighs> Looking for lesbian friends, lesbian friends That's found. found. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Yo soy Emily. I'm
1: Kelly. Have an
0: empowered day.
1: Adios! Bye. <laughs>